This is the Law Podcasting Podcast, where you learn how to use modern media to get your message out and more good clients to your law practice. Here's your host, Gordon Firemark. Well, all right. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to episode number 24 of the Law Podcasting Podcast. I'm your host, Gordon Firemark, and this is the show where I bring you all kinds of information about lawyers who are using the power of podcasting in support of their careers and businesses. My guest today is Gina Cho, a partner at JC Law Group, PC. It's a bankruptcy law firm in San Francisco, California. And in addition to her practice, she teaches mindfulness and meditation to lawyers. She speaks and writes about wellness and self-care and mindfulness and works with lawyers and law firms on stress management, work-life balance, career transition, increasing productivity, overall wellness, all kinds of things. She blogs at her law firm blog uh, and at The Anxious Lawyer, which is also the title of her new book. She writes for Lawyerist and other legal sites on the net, and she offers courses on mindfulness practice for lawyers. And we'll talk about that in a little bit uh, here uh, later. But we are here today to talk about podcasting. Gina's podcast is The Resilient Lawyer, which she co-hosts with Birmingham, Alabama-based attorney Keith Lee. She also uses podcasting technology to deliver guided meditation sessions, which are really cool. That's a sort of a different way of using podcasting, so we're going to talk about that as well. But uh, let's get to it. Gina Cho, thank you so much for being with us. Thanks for having me, Gordon. I've been following you for a while, and actually we were email introduced by our friend, uh, mutual friend John Corcoran about a year ago and hadn't really connected until now, so I've really been looking forward to the interview. Yeah, me too, and I'm glad we connected on Facebook as well. Yeah. So when did you... What what turned you on to podcasting in the first place? I am such a podcast junkie. I am a huge consumer of podcasts. I think I have like 20 plus podcasts in my iTunes. Uh-huh. Um, and I just think it's such a great medium. Um, it's such an intimate way of delivering content. It's also... Um, very friendly in terms of the listeners can listen to it at their schedule when it's convenient for them. They don't have to make themselves available at a certain time. You can obviously play and stop and really have it fit you and your schedule. Um, so So for all of those reasons, I really love podcasting. Okay. So when did you start podcasting for yourself? Um, so I started the Mindful Pause podcast, um, which was just me doing guided meditations, and I would just throw it up on iTunes. Mm-hmm. And then um, I started the Resilient Lawyer podcast earlier this year. So I think we launched in March or okay. February. So it hasn't been that long. It's a uh, you know it's a new thing. Okay, so tell me about uh, how you and Keith connected up and got that started. Um, So the podcast was originally just me, and I wanted to interview all these attorneys that were really living with authenticity and courage and thinking about mindfulness and thinking about a more holistic way of practicing law and a better way of being in the world. And then Keith, I think, was my guest number three or four, and what was supposed to be an hour-long interview turned into a a three-and-a-half-hour talk. And I said, you know, we really have a lot of 
good stuff here because he and I are very different. Obviously, he's an attorney in Birmingham, Alabama. I'm an attorney in San Francisco. He's, you know, white male. I'm Korean female. So we really wanted to kind of collaborate and work together because I thought we would bring different perspectives. So it's not just me talking about what I think, but it's actually two different perspectives. You know, we often agree, but sometimes we don't. And that's when I think, you know, the more really interesting conversations happen. Very cool. Very cool. So tell me about how you got the, so you started two podcasts on your own um, and then Keith joined in. Uh, Are you a tech geek kind of a person? Did you do this stuff yourself? Did you have help? Tell me about the setup. I experimented and I read a lot of stuff online and I'm I'm a geek and I'm really curious by nature. Um, But I did have some help. I had um, Heath Armstrong who does a podcast called Entrepreneur. Um, And he really helped me a lot just in terms of figuring out the launch protocol, getting all the um, email set up to, you know, announce the launch and get just, and there's just like all these little tiny steps that you don't even think about, you know, <laughs> like all the intro music and the outro music yeah. and the script and the, you know, flow of the process. And um, so, yeah, and so I did have help. And initially I found someone from Odesk to help me with the editing, but I just found that as time went on, it was actually faster for me to just do the edits myself. So I've been doing the edits on my own or, you know, Keith and I split it up now. Spoken like a solopreneur, (laughs) (laughs) keeping everything in house. I'm I'm with you there. Um, So talk about your, so what kind of gear are you using? Uh, So I have, right now I have the Zoom H5, um, that's a digital recorder, recorder right? It's okay. a digital recorder. And then I have this head-worn set microphone that I also use. Um, mm-hmm. But, you know, I've kind of played around with different equipment. Like I had the Yeti microphone, mm-hmm. which I think is great. But I found that just in terms of sound, there is it picks up a lot of background noise. Yeah. Um, so I found that the head warm microphone really works um works great yeah, the, the microphone's right in front of your mouth very close miking and we, we get a, you sound fantastic so that's great um okay and then so that goes into the zoom and then you told me before we started that the zoom actually connects to the computer by right. usb right and so when you do the skype calls with keith is that it's all recording on the zoom no actually oh. i use um, pamela to record oh. all the calls oh i see okay and Pamela is a, for those that aren't familiar, it's a call recording software that sort of attaches itself to Skype and uh, lets you record that. So, um, okay, cool. So talk about some of the hurdles that you had, the hardest things that you've encountered in getting your show up and running. I think really it's just that getting over the fear of doing it. I had a lot of hesitation around interviewing people. Would I be a good interviewer? you know, not having things to talk about or running out of things to say or just listening to your own voice is a little traumatic in the beginning. Takes some um, used to, yeah. Yeah, and then even when I was reaching out and wanting to interview people, it's not so much an issue now, but especially in the beginning, it was like, well, you know, I'm doing this podcast. Well, who else have you interviewed? Well, no one, but, you know, I'd like you to be my first, second, or third guest. So in the beginning, there was a little bit of that, but now... You know, I mean, I think we have 14 episodes under our belt. Mm -hmm. Um, So now I feel like it's a little more established. So tell us, so the show is called The Resilient Lawyer. And talk Mm -hmm. about the format and structure and subject matter. 
Yeah. So Keith and I will usually um, talk a little bit about either current events or some topic, like we'll talk about the imposter syndrome or difficulties of solo practice, or mm-hmm. it'll usually be some specific topic. Like this morning, we talked about whether law school should be two years or three years. Um, and then we'll then do the interview with whoever I'm interviewing. Um, it's been more me doing the interviews, mm-hmm. but hopefully that will change. Just because before I started the podcast, I think I had like 20 interviews in the queue before I even oh, wow. launched it. Um, so we're actually going through the backlog of all the people that I've interviewed mm-hmm. and um, and releasing those. That's a great tip. So sort of you've got the the content, at least a chunk of the content for each episode in the bank, so to speak. So you're when as you're working on things, you're working ahead of where you are today. So you'll always have the consistency of publishing new episodes. Yeah, and I, I'm glad that I did it that way because I think just having interviewed you know close to 20 people, it gave me a better feel for what makes for a good interview, and then it also allowed me to kind of choose the interviews that I enjoy the most sort of in the beginning of the release uh-huh. um, rather than, you know, kind of releasing people as I interview them. Oh, I see. So did you scrap any of the interviews? Did you decide that wasn't going to work? <laughs> I had a couple, yeah, where I just felt like, yeah, it just wasn't that great. Um, yeah. Okay. So the podcast then is, uh, it's more lawyer facing than client facing. Yeah, um, it's definitely all lawyer facing. Do you consider it still though a part of your practice or sort of treat it as completely separate? I treat it separately. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is more of a hobby project which you know, I don't have like any real long-term goals for it except that I was as I was writing the book for the ABA, yeah. I was interviewing a lot of people and they all had these amazing stories about how they are choosing to practice law sort of in an outside of that stereotypical lawyer fashion and they were really interacting with their client in a very unique and different way Mm -hmm. and really finding a purpose in their law practice and and what I found is that all these people were feeling really isolated they would be like well you know I'm really curious about um like holistic law practice or alternative law practice or whatever. And they didn't feel like there was a space in which where people can connect. And I thought, well, what a great way, you know, to do a podcast and interview all these really interesting lawyers so that there is a space where people feel like, oh, I'm not the only one. I'm not the only quote unquote weirdo, you know, doing meditation or mindfulness (laughs) or self-exploration or, Mm -hmm. you know, finding my purpose, mission and goals in life. That's interesting. Yeah. I I actually like to, uh, say that I have a lifestyle law practice rather than a law practice lifestyle. I love it. Yeah, that's perfect. Right. <laughs> um, you know, we have a, a couple of common friends that also practice in the bankruptcy space. I'm thinking of uh, uh, Jay Fleischman and, um, uh, oh, I'm blanking on his name, John in, in Arizona. Um, John Skiba. John Skiba, thank you. Yeah. And, and mm-hmm. uh, they have both been using. Well, Jay's podcast is very much client facing. At least one of them, and and uh, I think John has a client facing one as well. Right. Um, have you given any thought to doing something like that for your bankruptcy practice? You know, we did one a long, long time ago, oh, like okay. many, many, many years ago, and um, and we just stopped. I, you know, I. I, it just it just got to a point where we felt like we said everything there is to say to yeah. consumers about bankruptcy. Um, but, you know, I mean, it's certainly something that my husband and I have been talking more about because we're 
looking at expanding our practice outside of the bankruptcy area. Like he'll probably start doing offering compromise and some mm. limited tax law and maybe some business law. So oh, okay. I think once we decide to expand our practice, we'll probably maybe pick it back up. And now I feel like I have more fluency in how to do the podcast too. So, mm-hmm. you, so you, you think there is potential for it to support a law practice and be a, a marketing tool? Oh yeah, definitely. Yeah. You know, I think people are always looking for good quality content. Cool. Yeah. So talk a little bit about workflow and how you prep for the show. I mean, it's, it's not, you've done a bunch of the recordings in the can already, but uh, presumably you have a, a methodology that you use. To talk about that a little bit. Yeah. Um, so I started using a self-calendaring program, which I think is key because initially I was sending emails back and forth mm-hmm. and that drove me crazy and I was like, I'm not doing that anymore. Um, so once I find someone that I want to interview, I'll send them the link. They'll go ahead and um, you know, self-calendar mm-hmm. themselves. And then usually I'll spend... You know, I mean, typically the people I interview are people that I've known for a while, like either through Facebook or Twitter, or I'm familiar with them and their work. It's kind of rare for me to just have someone that I don't know Mm -hmm. at all come on the show. Um, So, but I will definitely spend a little bit of time kind of researching them and looking through their LinkedIn profile and doing a quick Google search. Um, And I don't have like a script that I follow. I know a lot of podcasters do. They have um, sort of a canned script, but I found that I I want the conversation to sort of unfold organically. So I have a couple of key points that I would want to talk about in terms of their accomplishments or their challenges or their growing edge. Um, but I, the conversation just kind of flows and unravels naturally. And I try to keep it to about 40 to 50 minutes because then there's the whole intro piece that Keith and I will then add on. So it ends up being about an hour. We try to keep it under an hour. It doesn't always happen. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I always finish my interviews asking the guest to um, tell me what being a resilient lawyer means to them. So that's sort of the only consistent piece of the interview is the final question. Oh, okay. Well, so you've got a format rather than a, a script per se. Yeah, I don't yeah, I don't have a script. I had one in the beginning and then I think after the first interview it just immediately went out the window cuz you know, I interviewed mm-hmm. this person that I knew fairly well so the conversation was just flowing and I thought, well, this is more fun that way anyway rather yeah. than just sticking to a script. I have a list of, uh, of of typical questions I think I sent them to you that I mm-hmm. I share with the guests because some people are a little nervous about it and they want to know, well, what are we going to talk about, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, particularly when you're interviewing other lawyers, everybody's worried about saying something they'll res- they'll regret later. Or, you know, right, um, right. So, but but I'm I feel pretty free to you know go off on tangents and and uh, uh, take things where they where we're led. Um, but back to one of my script questions: the big objection that many lawyers have about podcasting as a marketing tool or otherwise is that it's time consuming. And I'm just curious, you know, how much of your time is involved in putting together an episode of your show. I agree. It's fairly time consuming. So I, I tend to spend quite a bit of time doing editing. Like I, I want everything to sound really good and it's just because I'm a type A lawyer. <laughs> um, so I would say, you know, I probably spend about four hours a week, but we do two episodes yeah. a week. So, um, you know, that obviously kind of doubles the workload. And But our pod blasts, which we release on Tuesdays, are much shorter. They're like 20 minutes and there's hardly any editing mm-hmm. that needs to be done with that. And I think what you'll find just like most people is that the more you do something, the faster you'll yeah. be able to do it and the easier it gets. So the pod blasts, I find 
needs very little editing. In the beginning, it needed a lot more editing because you just use words like, um, you know, mm -hmm. there's all these weird pauses. And so, but now I'm much more aware of my speaking pattern. <laughs> if you had the savings <laughs> right. rate, you'd kind of notice every um or every um, crutch word that you, you end up using. Sure. Yeah. I was going to say, when you listen, oh, I'm sorry, when you speak regularly, whether it's public speaking or into a microphone recording, you become more attuned, more mindful, if you will, of how you sound and what you're saying and, and not using ums and ahs and, and those crutch words as you describe them. And uh, you just get better at it. Basically. Yeah, so. exactly. Right. Yeah. Everything you practice gets you know, easier, obviously. Um, but in terms of whether it's worth it or not, um, which I think is sort of the implied yeah. question, I really think that it depends on your business and your overall marketing strategy. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I tend to talk a lot about solo practice management and growing your solo practice. And the question I'll often get is, well, I heard I should be on Twitter. Should I be on Twitter? And my question back to them is, well, what is your overall marketing strategy? Mm -hmm. uh, who are your ideal clients? Or are those ideal clients going to be on Twitter? Are they going to be podcast listeners? Mm -hmm. And they're like, I don't know. I don't know who my ideal client is. People that can pay me. It's like, no, like you have to get really specific about who your ideal client is. And, yes. then, and then think about it. So I don't think there's any script that... Every lawyer, every solo attorney can follow that will lead to success. I think it really depends on you and your personality. And yeah. if you, the idea of speaking into a microphone frightens you and you hate the idea, don't do it. Go do something else. Well, there's a part of me that says if something frightens you, that's the thing you must do to get over that fear and, that's and move true forward. Too. Yes, <laughs> I, I, I agree with that too. But you know, if you prefer, if you're more, um, if you prefer writing, well, then sure. go blog. You know, yeah. if you would prefer speaking, then I mean, like do the things, start with the things that come naturally to you because uh, I think most attorneys struggle with marketing. It's one of the things that they dislike. So really finding something that they enjoy doing rather than doing something that they really don't. Of course, of course. Yeah. Just makes it easier. So you're, so the resilient lawyer and your, your um, mindful pause both are more tied in, it seems to your other business, your, your um, mindfulness programs and, and trainings and things like that. So let's talk a little bit about that. Fill me in. What is it you're up to? Uh, so I am on a mission to bring wellness and self-care and mindfulness into the legal profession. Um, at some point, I just kind of decided, you know, it's unacceptable that lawyers, uh, you know, I think it's like 46% of lawyers suffer from depression. And, you know, we have one of the highest suicide rates and, of course, substance and alcohol abuse. And if there was a disease, if there was a, a bacteria or something that was causing lawyers to suffer in this way, we wouldn't stand for it, right? All the lawyers would be like, we need a cure for this thing. But somehow all these statistics around lawyers and uh, like really being unhappy is perfectly acceptable. And I just decided this is not acceptable and there has to be a better way to be a lawyer in the world. So, you know, I really talk a lot about self-care and wellness, and I really think that those things, taking really good care of yourself, allows you to then take better care of others, and we can't constantly be serving others on an empty tank. You know, we can't be running on fumes. Mm -hmm. So that's where the whole mindfulness thing came from. So I do a lot of CLE presentations around wellness and self-care and um, substance abuse and um, all of those things. And then I also teach mindfulness classes. Um, which is a way of being in the world. And, uh, you know, there's so many benefits 
for practice from that you can gain by practicing mindfulness. So it's a, it, what used to be more of a, an interest of mine, but now it's becoming more of um, maybe like a halftime business, yeah. I guess, because I'm still practicing law. So, so give me the let's talk about mindfulness. Give me the the short explanation of what you mean when you talk about mindfulness and how does one get started practicing it? Sure. So mindfulness means to be in the present moment without preference or judgment. Mm -hmm. And an easy example um, I could use is when you're at the office, for example, and you're working on a motion, let's say, and all of a sudden you kind of realize that your mind is not focused on the thing that you're supposed to be working on. Your mind is someplace else. You're thinking about your kid's soccer game or you know, your grocery shopping list or whatever you may be thinking about. And so being in the present moment means actually paying attention to what is going on in that moment. And then without preference and judgment means, you know, oftentimes something will happen to us. So let's say you show up at a hearing and the judge rules against you and we end up causing ourselves additional sort of stress, undue stress, because we keep repeating that event over and over and over again in our mind, but we're not actually doing anything productive. We're not saying, okay, this is what happened. How do I now move on and proceed forward? We're just kind of replaying that event over and over again. And it's like your mind kind of gets stuck on things and you can't let it go. And it's because we have preference or judgment. Like we have a preference that the judge of course, didn't rule in this way, that he ruled in some other way. Then we have judgment and it says, oh, the judge was wrong or I didn't prepare enough or whatever that judging mind may say. So mindfulness is all about just A, accepting what is and two, being in the present moment and three, aligning your life in the direction of your your purpose, right? Like the thing that makes your life worth living, the things that are really meaningful to you. Wow. Okay. Okay. So in order to get, so aligning one, what do you give, elaborate on that for me, please? Um, so I think most of us have had that question come up in our mind that says, you know, like, why am I here? Like, why am I on this, on this earth? You know, and it's probably not to build as many hours as you possibly <laughs> can. Um, you know, for me, it's things like, you know, obviously spending time and really loving the people that are important to me in my life and spending quality time with them, living with compassion and kindness and really trying to orient everything that I do with that lens rather than orient my life with the lens of, you know, I'm out to like harm others, (laughs) you know, like to just, I guess, overall to try and be a good human being and to try to make a positive impact. Um, So that's what I mean when I'm, when I talk about orienting my life with my purpose. And for you, it's from the sound of things, it sounds like meditation practice is an important part of of that sort of self-centering. Yeah. Um, and I, I can do like a very short guided meditation if you might be interested Let's in that. Let's do it. Okay. Um, so I'll just say that meditation is the sort of formal training tool that you can use to cultivate mindfulness. Um, so mindfulness is just how you are in the world, right? It's You always want to carry yourself with mindfulness and how you interact in the world with mindfulness Mm -hmm. and meditation is the tool that you can use to become more mindful does that make sense yeah so um okay so maybe like two minutes would that be okay perfect all right hmm okay so to start um just 
feel your feet on the ground and just check your body and notice your alignment and if you're sitting making sure that your back is straight and that you're sitting upright and you can either close your eyes or find a spot about two to three feet in front of you and gaze softly at that spot and if you decided to close your eyes it's a very different experience from having your eyes open just making room for whatever the experience is Now let's gently turn the attention to the breath and take three breaths, breathing in and breathing out, breathing in and breathing out, breathing in and breathing out and just allowing your breath to return to normal let's pause right here and ask yourself the question how am i feeling in this moment And whatever the answer may be, or perhaps you're not sure of what the answer is, just accepting whatever your mood or however way you may be feeling or any uncertainty about how you're feeling to exist as is. And as we get ready to bring this practice to a close, just notice if there's any difference or a word or a phrase that comes to your mind. And let's begin to wiggle our fingers and toes. And if you had your eyes closed, you can allow them to open. And that's it. And that was great. Thank you. The reason I wanted to do that here, and it's, it's uh, not part of my normal format for this podcast, <laughs> but I, I really, I, I'm a practice, I practice meditation um, not as consistently as I ought, as I feel I should, because I find that every time I do, it makes for a better day overall or, or you know, just changes the whole vibe of, of the day. If it's going sideways for me, I can, if I can find the, uh, discipline to take that five minutes or 10 minutes to sit and, and do that breathing and body scan and, and sort of releasing of, of the, of the junk. Uh, I find that, you know, the, the day is much improved just for having spent those few minutes. And, uh, when I'm doing podcast recordings, I'm often taking time out 
uh, during a busy work day, you know, with my legal practice. And I need to stop and, and take that moment to get centered before I start to do the interview, like I did with us this morning, so that, um, you know, we're, <laughs> we're on a solid footing to, to make for a, a good presentation. And so I, I think that can, can play into, you know, for those of us that, that are litigators and you're going into the courtroom, you know, taking five minutes before you have to stand in front of the judge to do that can be tremendously uh, calming and, and get you focused on what you're going to be doing. Yeah, and totally. So I think this is uh, a, a, so underutilized as a tool and, and, and practice for lawyers. Uh, I'm excited that you are uh, in this space and doing, doing what you're doing. So uh, you have a course, a product, in this arena? I do. Yeah. Um, so I just launched a program called Better Lawyering Through Mindfulness. And so I've been teaching live classes, which are 75 minutes, an so hour and 15 minutes over an eight-week class. And those classes are really great for people that can carve out the time and actually make it to the class. But of course, people, not everyone's in the Bay Area. And it's really hard for lawyers to carve out that much time out of their their day to show up for a class. So I built the course specifically around 0.1 hour increments. So uh-huh. every there's 21 lessons and all the lessons are six minutes or less mm-hmm. and all the guided meditations are also six minutes or less. So it's really designed for the lawyer in mind and there's lots of different lessons and really practical tips and tools that lawyers can use in terms of you know working with a difficult client, overcoming a difficult courtroom experience. There are very, very practical tools for lawyers and just like you said, this is such a great tool for lawyers to be able to center yourself and to have some clarity instead of having your mind going 150 miles per hour, which is, of course, not very useful, especially when you need to engage in a higher level of thinking and cognitive functions mm-hmm. if your brain is going into complete fight or flight response mode and, you know, trying to, like, run off from some danger that is of course not there um so it's at the resilientlawyer.com you can just go to resilientlawyer.com and um, sign up for the class the class is 199 dollars, and for anyone that is listening to the show um you can use the you can use the discount code firemark30 and you will get 30 percent off well that's great thank you very much thank you on behalf of listeners so um uh, the resilient lawyer.com is it the resilient lawyer sorry it's just resilient okay. lawyer.com <laughs> resilient lawyer.com sign up for the class the, on the there's a courses tab i think on the uh on the site right yeah if you just go to the home page it will oh, okay. have the course information Great. right and, there and the promo code firemark30 gets that discount it's very generous of you thank you. thank you uh you also have a new book out talk about that for a moment Sure. The book is called The Anxious Lawyer. So I like to jokingly say that I used to be the anxious lawyer and now I'm the resilient lawyer. Hmm. Um, And it's really part of, it's a self-guided eight-week class where lawyers can go through every single week and learn um, sort of eight different components of the mindfulness and meditation practice. Um, And it's really for lawyers, um, Karen Gifford, who is my co-author and I are both practicing lawyers and we spent a lot of time kind of really diving in and giving solid concrete examples about 
how to use mindfulness in your day-to-day life, not only inside of your law practice, but also outside of your law practice. Um, and it's available for pre-sale right now on Amazon, and it will be uh, published in hopefully September or October of this year. Oh, okay. And you're uh, heading out on a, a pre-sale book tour here in a, f- a few days, yes? I am, yeah. <laughs> so I'll be traveling for about six weeks throughout the country. Um, and if you want to get more information about the road trip, you can go to theanxiouslawyer.com, and that has all of my travel information. And for any listeners out there, I would love to connect with you if I'm going to be in your hometown. Okay. Well, Gina, thank you so much for a terrific interview. I've learned a lot from you, and I've, I've enjoyed our talk, and, and I'm glad we got to do a little, a little guided meditation here. So thank you for joining me. I'm grateful. Thank you for so having li- me. Thank you. So the listeners can reach you at um, – give, give me the links one more time. <laughs> sure. Theanxiouslawyer.com, which is my book, and then um, there's The Resilient Lawyer, which is – it's just resilientlawyer.com, no the, okay. in front of it. Um, and, you know, I'm also available on Twitter, Gina underscore Cho. That's with two E's. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, I mean, I'm easy to find. You can just Google me. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, with that, I'm going to say thank you to the listeners. Um, I, I hope you'll take a moment to send your comments and suggestions on the website at lawpodcaster.com. And if you would uh, give us an honest review in the iTunes store that would also be very welcome and that's going to about wrap it up for us uh, for this episode of the law podcasting podcast if you are interested in podcasting for your practice visit lawpodcasting.com and uh, get access to the video series you'll also get our free law podcasting guide the course is now available and i hope you will join us until next time keep podcasting